Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. And this one, this is a podcast that's, uh, it should be a fun one. Because we have, we could do probably our own 10 episode side podcast on just the 70th, 77th minute on of the World Cup final. We could do a podcast for every goal in that final. <laughs> we, today we're going to go over what we didn't cover in the last one, which would be the two semifinals and the final. But start off with some of the exterior stuff that went on with the World Cup final. Obviously, you know, Messi did it. Uh, but he also, you know, he's not exactly known as the the social media side of the Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi yeah. debate. Ronaldo definitely has the the bigger platform, I yeah. would say, in terms of social media, you know, brand endorsements. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. he is a bigger, like, you know, public image. Clear, yeah, that's not, not not exactly a secret. Mm-hmm. But Messi, you know, a lot of people thought that his, after he won the World Cup, that his um, World Cup victory post would be pretty, you know, well-liked. They didn't think that it would break the record for most liked in photo on Instagram, but I, I was, and for shits and giggles, I was going through, like, oh, I wonder, like, who I know that liked this photo. There were people that I didn't realize acknowledged soccer as a sport, like, from my high school yeah. that liked this. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's, I guess, I, I didn't exactly realize how much this transcended like the sport itself, like people who didn't even watch the World Cup final who found out about it after liked this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the amount of people who, like you said, like who I had no idea even followed soccer, yeah. <laughs> put like, you know, goat emojis on their story <laughs> and, you know, obviously images of Messi, you know, holding the trophy. I mean, it was amazing to see. Yeah. And he, he did beat the egg. <laughs> and also, what I, I, I don't really keep up with this shit, but like, Messi. And Ronaldo hold now like seven of the top ten most liked pictures on Instagram. Yeah, like it's not surprising. I mean, I th- I honestly thought that the Messi Ronaldo chess picture. Yeah. I know before, uh, Messi's World Cup victory post is the most liked sports photo ever. Yeah. I thought that one would be the most liked ever. Yeah, I mean, because that's I mean, it's just bridging groundbreaking. The gap between, yeah, and that was just that was just the toughest photo I've ever seen too. <laughs> like even as amazing as all of. Messi's like World Cup, you know, victory yeah. pictures are, and they are fantastic. Like that is just a cold ass flick between Messi and Ronaldo. Good marketing, right? Yeah, how oh, fantastic marketing! Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton, and for for eternity, everyone's gonna be reposting and reposting that yeah. picture, and the Louis Vuitton logo is gonna mm-hmm. be on it the whole time. Um, the freaking Salt Bay shit was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like when I saw Salt Bay on the field, I was like, okay, like I guess. You know, some celebrities were on there. And then, like, I realized that, like, he definitely should not be on the... Like, I, it really registered with me that, like, nobody else was even, like... Like, the president like president of Argentina, like, okay, I, he wasn't there, but I'm like, of mm. if I could name people, that would be... Like, oh, the president of France is on the field. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, soccer legends, like, what... But, like... He's not even like an A-list celebrity. No. <laughs> this isn't 2015. <laughs> like, even in 2015, yeah. even in the height of Salt Bay, I yeah. don't even think he should be allowed to even like be in a box seat. Like <laughs> he should be with everybody. He's a fucking chef. 
It's like he's Gordon Ramsay either. He's like has a restaurant. Like he doesn't have his own show or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it it definitely confused me and like the whole touching the World Cup thing and like everybody knew it too. I don't know. You saw some of those like videos from like um like not not like ESPN videos but fan videos like, like the one with the sign for Martinez. Yeah, they just all one. were just like, "Why is he part of this?" Listen, I don't have a huge. I know a lot of people were like, you know, oh my god, like he's touching the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's like a sacred thing. Mm-hmm. And like, listen, a bunch of like, a bunch of people touched the World Cup. Yeah. I saw just some like stadium guy in like a lanyard like touching the World yeah. Cup. Like, obviously, it's people you know who have some relation to the yeah. team. Like, you know, Messi's wife was touching it. Like, it's like some people who you know did nothing to get Argentina. The World Cup victory, you're gonna touch the trophy. It's not what I really had the issue with. The issue was like he's trying to like take it out of like Lissandra Martinez's hands. Like nobody was handing it to him for him to hold. And then also the one where he's trying to get like Messi's attention. Yeah. Like Messi just like gives him a nod and then tries to move on. Yeah. And then Salfe is like kind of like tugging yeah. on his arm and Messi's just like Apparently Messi Messi <laughs> denied taking a photo with him three times before he actually ended up taking a photo with him. Like that was the rumor. I don't know. Salt is still clout chasing. Yes, he, he's realized that he's past his prime. He's, he's not like an A like, tier celebrity. Like no. if I were him, I would all like I think I would need to tug on his arm. Like yeah. he, he the same reason like like people who run onto the field in the middle of the game need to like yeah. tug on Messi. Messi might not have recognized him. He thought he just it's like random <laughs> oh, ass hey, dude from like, the stands. Yeah. Like Um Alright. We don't have a ton of time because we got we got a lot of shit to talk about. Uh, let's get these semifinals out of the way. Starting with Argentina three, Croatia nil. This one was, I thought this one was going to be the least lopsided. I thought, honestly, I thought it was like 60, 40, like Croatia. This seemed like of all the games for Croatia to upset, like a team, they could seemingly very easily sit back play defensive and then counterattack on which they love Croatia's to do. strengths yeah. preyed on Argentina's weakness which was leaving teams in games yeah and Croatia <laughs> was just you know has built their entire national team around just staying in yeah, games pretty much so this definitely seemed like if there was ever going to be an upset for Croatia to pull off it would be this one even though obviously Argentina were favored yeah I I was very close when we were doing our predictions in the last podcast to giving this one to Croatia because like as much as it would pain me to do so like it just seemed like I don't know France Croatia again like it just seemed like a game that Croatia would win but the Brazil game didn't even seem like a game Croatia would win Brazil just seemed too good Argentina looked good but like not Brazil good like this seemed like a game that Croatia would upset and from the get-go, it was all Argentina. It never stopped being Argentina, really. Yeah, no, I think... I mean, I don't think Croatia had a poor, like, first 20 minutes. I thought they stayed in the game. I thought they possessed well. Mm-hmm. I thought in the first 20 minutes, Mateo Kovacic was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He was breaking lines and now gliding past players, and he is a phenomenal player, and I hope that he gets a bit more playing time at Chelsea, but that's beside the point. But anyway, once Julian Alvarez had... You know, got in behind inexplicably. By the way, I don't know how on earth he got that much space in behind. Oh, on on his goal? Yeah, well, on the penalty oh, where the penalty, they play him yeah. in behind. Anyway, um, yeah, but once once Alvarez got the penalty, which was just smashed in by Messi, that's when the floodgates opened, and yeah. that's when it really became all Argentina. Once Alvarez got the second, they went into cruise control. Croatia never really found a way back into the game, and then obviously Messi. Did some messy things. That's all he, you can he really did, say. 
I think every top European club needs to be thanking Messi because he just <laughs> probably halved Guardiola's yeah. price tag <laughs> with that one assist. I mean, he bumped it at least 40, 50 million to that point in the World Cup. So, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, going back to the, the penalty kick, I saw some shouts that uh, on Twitter that, like, it shouldn't have been a penalty because, um, like, the keeper, like, what was he supposed to do? Like, he comes out for the ball, but, like, it's always like that's part of you can't just put yourself in a position to block it and then if you don't get it you're just like ah well i can take the man now yeah. just because i help it's not like a charge in in basketball where you, if you beat him to the spot you're golden like if you position yourself in a spot to you know block the player and then you don't get the ball and you get the man that is a foul regardless of who you are on the pitch regardless of where you were before he started charging you or after like I didn't really understand. I don't know if you saw this, but I I think I can't remember what pundit it was, but it was like an ex player who maybe it was like Evra. Like they just didn't see the penalty, and it just didn't make sense to me because like then goalkeepers could just make themselves as big as possible, and regardless of whether they get the ball, like get bailed out. Like it just yeah. didn't make any sense. It was an obvious penalty, and I think a lot of people agreed with that. Um, and then Julian Alvarez getting. Rather fortunate on the second yes. goal. He got a benefit like, of a couple bounces. Three different, like, perfect bounces like, right into his Perseverance path. is one thing. Yeah. And, like, he was very quick, mm-hmm. and he, he did a lot of it himself. But he, he the ball did come back to him pretty. Listen, great <laughs> players make their own luck. Yeah. But he certainly got dished out yeah. plenty there. But that's, that's what teams need to, you know, win World Cups. And, and then, he certainly got it. of course, that messy goal was i was like in the middle of like I, it was two nothing and they were in cruise control at that point mm-hmm. i was like washing dishes in the yeah. kitchen at that point i look over my shoulder and messi is just dicing up guardial uh like like he was in his prime honestly messi doesn't have the, exactly the first step that he did uh in his prime but it kind of the way he plays the game now if you don't, it's the same way he, he he's always been. Where if you don't predict it right, he's yeah. still going to blow past you, regardless of whether it's. It, it, imagine this messy where his first step isn't good, and you still, if you guess wrong, yeah. you get burned. No. And then when he's twenty four, yeah. it doesn't matter which way you choose. He's still going around you. Like that's how good he was in his prime. Like I I don't know. And we'll talk about Messi a lot more after we get we conclude the World Cup content. But yeah, it, it was just a glimpse of old Messi, kind of an ode to. The player he used to be for 10 15 years um really not too much else to say i again i guess croatia you could say croatia uh we could talk about the third place game croatia did win the third place game i watched zero minutes of the third place game I, well i watched the first half <laughs> of it which you know that's luckily when a lot of the drama happened but i do want to give credit to croatia because i mean having to follow up that you know run to the world cup final and what was your golden generation? And now four years later, Modric is, you know, still good, but yeah. four years older. A lot of the old guard, you know, Rakitic, Mandzukic. The old guard was still not necessarily a young guard in 2018. Like, mm-hmm. Modric was old when he yeah. won the Ballon d'Or. Like, Perisic was no spring chicken. They had Mandzukic on that team. Like, they were pretty oh, – Vida. Vida didn't play in this World Cup, but, yeah. like, you know, they replaced a lot some of the older guys, um, like Subatic or Subasic, the goalie. Subasic yeah. with obviously um Lovakovic. Um But yeah, like you were saying, uh I'll let you continue. But yeah, that old guard wasn't that necessarily like 
in their prime when they made yeah. it to the World Cup final. They were old guard for the last four years. But yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and I think I think this Croatia team just found a fantastic balance between, you know, that old guard that was still there, obviously Perisic. I thought he had a very good World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Uh still playing very well, both for Croatia and Tottenham. Obviously Modric still good. But also combining that with you know with the new flow of young players coming in, Gavar the old other than you know, that one play against Messi, he was one of the best center backs in the tournament, if yeah, not the best. And Lovakovic, in my opinion, was the goalkeeper of this tournament. I think if Emmy Martinez doesn't make that save in the yeah. final, Lovakovic gets the golden glove. First of all, <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'll save it for when we yeah. get there. Um, but yeah, again, Croatia, to even make it past the round of 16 mm-hmm. is get out achievement of for that you know, very difficult group. I mean, the yeah. group that had you know, semifinalists Morocco yeah. and Still a good Belgium team. They still had to get a result against that Belgium. Um, Croatia, a nation of four million people. Like mm-hmm. we're we're not. Th- that's less than the population of the New York metropolitan area. Like that's less than the amount of people at the Argentina's <laughs> parade uh, in Buenos Aires. Like the fact that they continuously put in these performances, and it's not they're not flukes by any means. No. It's just a testament to how good they're program is how good their coaching is how disciplined they are as a team and again you can't say enough about them france to morocco zero um again like morocco started off with a performance that was reminiscent of how they've been playing for the most part they believed in themselves they um went forward were fearless which is tough when you're an underdog in the world cup and i they've had experience being the underdog certainly um but they came out generated some chances in the first 20 minutes but in the end it was it was just the better team won yeah i mean it was the perfect start for france against a team that up to that point had only conceived one goal in the entire tournament getting that early goal was yeah just an absolute dream for them to be able to not have the increasing pressure of needing a goal in the game you know against what up to that point was the best defensive team in the tournament so it was a perfect start for them and i think it was a pretty even first half but i think probably on either side of halftime maybe like 10 15 minutes either side i think that's when morocco really had their best chance to equalize in this game they were really piling the pressure on france in the end of the first half ziyech had a couple really nice opportunities from set pieces and crosses I whipped into the box that were really dangerous. Uh, they, the bicycle kick saved onto the post from Loris. And in the first 10 minutes of the second half, they really pinned France back. But in the end, Morocco just didn't have the killer touch. They haven't been a free-flowing scoring team, although they have been very brave you know, in the final third and attacking. They just weren't able to find you know, the killer touch. And France with you know, a bit of... you know clinicality and a bit of luck and you know some cases i mean that mbappe slaloming you know yeah, yeah. running past four players was fantastic but in the end it was a deflection that you know saw the ball you know get to kulamani at the far post so yeah it's definitely unfortunate for morocco but a deserved win for france who had a very morocco-esque performance where they just didn't allow you know the big chances against morocco they forced morocco to be clinical and to take the few chances that they got and you know morocco they just didn't in the end and it's unfortunate because again this team had such a good tournament yeah um 
and they were not necessarily out of this game until you could say the second goal. Uh, obviously, one you know one goal game, but it, it didn't even seem like they were. I'll compare it to the the Argentina France final where Argentina were up to nothing and cruising. I I, I don't exactly think that France were up one nothing and cruising. No, um, definitely not. Uh, Morocco again played has the the reason they've gotten this far is because they've played fearless they believe in their talent um but it, it, in the end the better team won and obviously when Mbappe kind of did it on his own and it ended up in Kulamani's foot that was kind of the icing on the cake um but these are the tough games when for for, for uh in World Cup semifinals where like especially going into the game going into the game against England they knew that if they won the game they'd begin Morocco yeah. So as soon as that final whistle blows and you know you're on to the semifinal, it's very, very difficult not to say, you know, not to have a piece of your brain already in the final when you're going up against a, a weaker side like Morocco and you feel like you're getting bailed out by getting this, this semifinal matchup. So it, it is a mentality thing when you go into these games, but I think they handled it pretty well. They played their game. They didn't waver. It, it's very easy to think you could throw your jersey on the field and beat teams like this. Um and just kind of have your heart in the final, but uh, similar to Argentina and Croatia, although Croatia is probably a little bit scarier than Morocco because of their history, uh, it, it still takes a little bit of a mentality to, to get it over the line, and I think they did well. <sighs> and that will be that for the semifinals. Now for maybe the most exciting game we'll ever cover on this podcast. Argentina 3, France 3. 4-2 to Argentina on penalties. Widely, widely considered the greatest World Cup final of all time. And I don't see many people arguing with that. Uh, and it didn't look that way after 77 minutes. Um, I think this one deserves to be to go kind of 10 minutes by 10 minutes and walk through it a little bit. So I think that's yeah. how we should do it. I think I, I have the, uh, you know, the... The key moments broken down. Yeah. So, starting off, the first, up until the Argentine, the first, up until the Messi penalty, it, I, Argentina obviously looked at the better team. They had the majority of the possession. And it kind of looked like France weren't playing the way that they wanted to play it wasn't like both teams were trying to impose their will on the game argentina was clearly trying to impose their will on the game i didn't i was a little bit disappointed with how france <clears throat> handled the first 20 minutes um and i think due to that you know overwhelming pressure obviously the penalty came um again it's look soft <laughs> It's it's soft, but he gets them, and it's a foul in the box. And it this is like the most subjective of things when it comes to yeah. soccer is like a foul in the box is a penalty, but a foul in the middle of the field is not always a foul in the box. That's just a, uh, an unspoken rule in in football. And this one was a foul in the middle of the field, but not always a foul in the box. I think if he waves this off, I don't think a VAR goes back to overturn it. He clipped him. But there's minimal contact. It trips him up. It, you know, prevents him from going forward. Maybe, maybe they go back and call it a penalty. But uh, it's 
certainly if you call it a penalty, you're not going to go back and change it. Yeah, it's one of those where it's so subjective that only Di Maria will know yeah. whether or not it was enough for him mm-hmm. to go down. It's hard to tell. There's clearly contact, but it's very clear that there's not a lot of force put into, you know, the little challenge from behind from Usman Dembele. So you can say what you want, but in the end, I think it's one of those where you just have to go by the ref's decision. Maybe France are hard done by. Maybe they weren't. We're never going to know, but, you know, it's one of those things that you can't really control in soccer. But I don't think that, you know, anybody can be, you know, screaming like foul play or anything like that for a decision like this. And Argentina have... You know, obviously, you know, the Ronaldo stands has been, you know, claiming that, you know, the refs, you know, wearing Argentina jerseys for the whole tournament. And I do think that Argentina probably have been favored by refs, but I don't, I think that the ref in this game was actually pretty good. And, I, again, I don't think they were, I don't think it was like a, the ref wanted Messi to get mm-hmm. it. I think it yeah. was just the way it worked, the way they saw calls, it, it mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, looked like it favored yeah. Argentina. And again, every World Cup winner, I'm sure, you know, yes. had the majority of yeah. refereeing decisions go their way throughout the tournament. Yeah. So, um, in low scoring one nothing games, it's mm-hmm. often refereeing decisions that yeah. are the difference maker. Um, needless to say, um, Messi's had a, a lot of big kicks so far. The, uh, the penalty during regular time in the Netherlands game, the penalty in the penalty shootout in the Netherlands game, um, the penalty against Croatia. And I felt like every time I'm like, don't miss this one. You can't miss this one. If you miss this one, uh, the whole goat debate goes to shit. And I said that about four times, not including this one. And then this one came. I'm like, okay, Messi penalty in the world cup final. Can't miss this one. Cannot miss this one. He buried it. Thankfully. Um, it just, you know, it's the ner- and it's one of those where it's like the ball goes in the net. It's not a bad penalty, like that one. He sent the keeper yeah. the wrong way, but if the keeper if Loris went the right way, I think he catches that. <laughs> it was it was right in the goalkeeper wheelhouse. But again, Messi did his little stutter step that you know he's done. They haven't seen him do much throughout mm-hmm. his career, but this World Cup he seemed to do it pretty much every time. Uh, and yeah, it's worked for him. And yeah, you know, he's not the greatest penalty taker, but other than yeah, he's missed one of seven this World Cup, including penalty shootout. So I'd say it's above his normal return in terms of percentage. Yeah, so. Six of seven, I think the, the average is 75%. Mm-hmm. So yeah. his, his average is probably, I think, like 74 or something. Okay. So. Yeah. He's not, again, you're not you're pushing Messi off mm-hmm. the, the penalty spot, yeah. especially in this World Cup. Uh, but he's never been, like, the most confident of penalty takers. I know Ronaldo is, like, known for being a good penalty taker. Um. Messi is a good penalty taker because he's a good finisher, and that's often why he got it earlier in his career. But, you know, the ball goes into the net. It's a great penalty. Then about 15 minutes of France kind of trying to get back into the game a little bit. A bit unsuccessfully. I think Argentina did well to kind of stave it off. Um, and then came the counterattack which was, I don't know if they've released the goal of the tournament yet, but this one has got to be in, way up there. It's got to be in the conversation. There. And the more you watch it, the more you appreciate mm-hmm. it. It's one of those. Um, McAllister starts it to Messi, with, who puts in this flick where, like, you need, like, the, the right muscles to, for this. Like, yeah. you, you need to, like, this isn't, like, 
a technique thing. This is like he used this toe to like flick it backwards. He didn't use any muscle in his leg. His no. leg stayed straight. It was just the power just, from the just flick the of ankle. his foot. Yeah. yeah. And he got enough power just to get it through uh, to Alvarez. And the beauty of this goal was that every pass had to be weighted perfectly. Yeah. You couldn't really go like tape to tape, like firm passes. Every single pass was like into another player's path perfectly. Yes. None more than the final pass to Di Maria, which if you put it too short, it would have landed on his yeah. weaker right foot, which God knows where it would have gone, let's be honest. And if you put it too long, he would have had to cut it back from a much, much worse angle. McAll- uh, it w- I believe it was McAllister yeah. that laid it in. McAllister puts just the absolute perfect weight on this pass so it goes right into his favorite left foot, who, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, we'll never know, Ozil flicks it, or uh, I don't even know, Ozil dinks it. You told him that when they were at Real Madrid together. (laughs) (laughs) Right over the trailing leg of Lloris and the entire Argentinian crowd erupts. 2-0 Argentina and flying 36 minutes into this game. Yeah, I mean, I think you gave France a little bit too much credit here. They were not in this game for the first 36 minutes. They simply hadn't showed up. It was all Argentina. And it was crowned by one of the goals of the tournament, the best passing move yeah. of the tournament. I mean, it was just so incisive, so quick, so precise. Everything was perfect. That McAllister pass, yeah. as he's running onto it, I didn't think he'd be able to pull it off. Yeah. I thought either, because I think it was the trailing Upamecano who was closing down the angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just, I mean, like you said, the weight on this is just so perfect. It's just far enough away from... You know, the trailing back Upamecano, but it's right into, you know, the path of Di Maria's left foot. It brings out Lloris. It is just such a good pass, and the whole move was just phenomenal. And I do want to talk about the fact that Di Maria, up until he was subbed off, and we can argue that yeah. it was him getting substituted was way too early, which it probably was. But up until he was subbed off, Di Maria was the best player on this field. He barely put a foot wrong. Um, I think it was... I think Scaloni got absolutely tactically right putting Di Maria on the left. I know a lot of times he plays out on the right because yeah, he likes cut to in. cut in. But I think it was, again, Scaloni got absolutely right that he knows that Messi likes to operate, you know, in the right half space yeah. that maybe it get too cluttered over there. And he knows that Messi absolutely loves that pass to the far side, you know, towards the left winger or, you know, previously in this tournament uh, it would have been... Often it was Marcus Acuna making the run from left wing back. But again, another thing I thought that was a great decision from Scaloni was to, again, put Di Maria on the left-hand side with Tagliafico, who's a more defensive left back than than Acuna. Obviously, Acuna was suspended for the semifinal. I thought Tagliafico was phenomenal in the semifinal against Croatia. So I thought it was a good decision to keep Tagliafico in there, allow Di Maria his space to work. You know, obviously, with the, if Acuna and Di Maria both play, it could, again, have been cluttered on the left-hand side. But every time Di Maria got the ball, he was changing the game. Obviously, that goal was fantastic. He won the penalty, and he was the difference maker for Argentina up until when he came off. Di Maria was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Vintage, vintage Di yeah. Maria. Uh, you, I mean, he, uh, again, in his prime for uh, Real Madrid, PSG, take your pick, uh, 
was just like untouchable 1v1 and that's mm. pretty much what he looked like uh you can ask Usman Dembele yeah. what he looked like when he was on the field against uh France it was remarkable to see at his age just stepping up for his country it, it, phenomenal and I, I've always like it's you can argue Di Maria's ego and personality is not exactly the most uh attractive but uh there's been nothing wrong with how he's played throughout his career and i think yeah. um, he, will, he could go down as one of the most underrated players of this generation yeah. and then in the 41st minute one of the most interesting uh moments of this match surprisingly uh didier Deschamps, the experienced manager he is decides to dip into a substitutes bench before the stroke of halftime 41st minute not one but two substitutions he goes for marcus turam in for olivier Giroud. And Kolo Muani in for Dembele. And I'd like to get your take on this before I get mine in. Well, obviously, hindsight's always 20 20. Yeah. I think in the end, this substitution absolutely worked. Uh, Kolo Muani was, again, they didn't start kicking off until, you know, France, you know, got their shit together. Obviously, France's entire comeback was sparked by Mbappe, but once they got that momentum, that's when France really came into their own. I think both Turam and Kolo Muani really you know, made their imprint on this game. Even though I should say that, you know, Kulamuani, you know, when the game was, you know, team nothing and seemed almost dead and buried, he is the one who got in behind Mendy and won that penalty. Marcus Turam was the one who set up Mbappe uh, for the second goal, albeit Mbappe did most of the work there, <laughs> undoubtedly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, it was a very, very brave decision from Deschamps to take off, you know, two players who have been great for him this tournament but he knew that something needed to change even even if he didn't particularly know how exactly they were going to change the game he yeah. knew that something had to give because and, they weren't yeah. in the game in the first half and he needed a change and he brought on two you know energetic players you know who work up and down the wings bring a lot of pace and energy into the team he just needed something and again it didn't pay off immediately but i think in the end it was definitely a shrewd but correct decision from Deschamps. I agree with the, that the Kulamuani one was was definitely the right decision. Dembele looked like mm. shit. Uh, he he didn't even look great in the Morocco game, to be completely honest. He looked fine. Um, but Kulamuani obviously had a very clear and obvious impact on the game. Uh the Marcus Turam one, I, I, I like how Marcus Turam, Marcus Turam played fine. I just don't know how you take off Olivier Giroud. I mean, I don't think he was, obviously he wasn't getting the service, and Giroud can drop in as like a false nine sometimes and hold up the ball for his wingers. That's how he did so well for France in 2018. Um, but when you have a player like that who's so on form, who... Out of nothing, any set piece, any corner, any cross from anyone can put you back into this game. I just don't know how you take him off. Again, Giroud, I guess, has a lot of experience being that super sub. Yeah. So, like, if he's not in the game in the first 40 minutes, maybe it's just one of those things that only a manager knows. And, again, I credit Didier Deschamps. I, I, I'm not really questioning him. He's a fantastic manager. Uh. But when Giroud, when the when Giroud's number was called, I was scratching my head a little bit because I didn't. He, Giroud wasn't playing great, but like, he's one of those players that can just score from anything, you know. So, 
I I didn't think Turam was going to. I don't know. He's obviously pacier, but I don't know. Maybe he just thought that since they were under the cost so much, he needed more pace up top, which is valid. And although Turam didn't get in behind necessarily, it's it's valid. Um, but it, it was a head scratcher for me because you know any set piece really and drew completely back to the game. But that's not a here nor there. Halftime whistle goes. It's two nothing, and at that time Deschamps got some work to do in the locker room with the team talk, uh, which didn't exactly work for the first twenty twenty five minutes of the first half. Uh, Argentina came out and played basically the same way they played for the first 45, just kept possession, made France chase, uh, used Messi, used Di Maria, uh, cut through him, and then came the chaos, I guess you could say, uh, unless you have more to say about those 20, 25 minutes. No, I think, I mean, France, you know, crept their way back into the game but very very gradually they still weren't threatening that yeah. much they they were merely just slowing down argentina's momentum and i think you know france desperately needed halftime obviously you know in a world cup final it's hard to be you know so dominant for so much of a game and argentina definitely slowed down but they were still absolutely in control of this game they were dominating possession they're the more incisive team and you know they they went to cruise control around you know the 70 75th minute when they really thought like okay again the decision you know to bring Di Maria off for Acuna Scaloni thinking okay now it's just you know Protected. time to shut it down and you know, I absolutely love Scaloni I think he hasn't he's gotten a ton of credit this World yeah. Cup and I still don't think it's enough but this is the one where it just seemed. Again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. Scaloni can never have predicted what was going to happen next. Yeah. But I think of all the attacking players to bring off, especially that early, you know, before you know the seventy fifth, eightieth minute, it's it seemed an odd one, especially for a defender who's not that defensive minded. Acuna, I, I don't necessarily think it was a bad substitution because. You look at the Argentina eleven at the time. Uh, he is the least defensive player on the field, not named Lionel Messi. And you're not pulling Lionel Messi off the field. So if you're talking with your coaching staff and you're saying which player should we pull off the field that's going to make this team the most defensive, it's on Hel Di Maria, regardless of how well he's been playing. Now, Di Maria maybe could have contributed to a third that would have absolutely iced the game, but that's a risk that I don't think many managers take. I don't hate the substitution in hindsight. They were looking to turn this Di Maria, Di Maria's left wing spot or left mid spot, whichever yeah. he was playing, into like a defensive left wing back with Acuna. I, I don't hate the substitution. I don't think... Look, if they left Di Maria on the field, they would have been less defensive and arguably could have conceded two goals easier. But again, impossible to tell. But I, I, don't re I don't really hate the substitution. Di Maria was playing very good, but he is an old fart, and he was probably dead tired after running up and down yeah, that I, flank. I am now, you know, am considering mm -hmm. the fact that Di Maria was coming off an injury, yeah. too. So it's possible that his legs had just gone. Yeah. But again, it's hard to see someone who had as good a final as he did. I agree, yeah. 
now come off the field a little a little bit early. But I don't think in the end it was what changed the game. So here we go. 79th minute. The substitute. First half substitute. Kulumuani gets onto a long ball. Gets on the other side of Otamendi. Otamendi drags him down in the box. Penalty to France. Now, this penalty was similar to the Di Maria penalty where, like, contact was there, player went down. Tough to tell the strength of the contact because the player went down seemingly easy. Um, I think, like the Di Maria penalty, I think this was also a penalty. But, again, I don't think this was necessarily clear-cut. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty clear-cut. When, when I saw... Kulmai go down and point to the spot. I, I I wasn't really arguing. Definitely, could you argue it? Sure, but there's definitely a lot more contact than the Di Maria yeah. penalty. I don't think anybody after the game was trying to argue that it wasn't. So, I mean, really the issue there was the fact that Olimendi just didn't boot the ball. He had, he had his chance to just put that ball into the stance. He hesitated for a second, possibly thinking that, you know, he could... You know, shield Kulamani off the ball, or maybe even play it back to Martinez. I don't know what he was thinking, but he didn't take the safe option. And Kulamani, with his you know relatively fresher legs, I mean, he's still a bit on the field for you know forty minutes or so, but he blew past Alimendi, which would happen again mm-hmm. in the game. And yeah, I thought it was a pretty clear cut pen. Needless to say, Mbappe. Puts it away, not as convincingly. He, if not for the velocity of the ball, I think Emmy Martinez being the elite penalty saver he is probably keeps this one out. Well, I think if anything, it was more convincingly because Emmy Martinez, again, is an elite penalty yeah. saver and he guessed the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often yeah. you beat Martinez when he guesses the mm-hmm. right way. I thought this was as good a penalty there was this game. It wasn't, a, you know, side netting, but he did put enough, which I think is a flaw for a lot of uh Unexperienced, inexperienced penalty takers is you need to choose one. You need to put it in a good spot or you need to kick it hard. You can't put it in a bad spot and not kick it hard. So if you kick it hard, there's a lot more places you can go with the ball on a penalty kick. And Mbappe puts his boot through it and didn't need to be perfect. It got by one of the better penalty savers in the world. And then merely seconds later, Mbappe sees a ball come straight to his forehead, nods it down to Turam. Turam, with one touch, pops it over the defense into Mbappe, who doesn't need a second touch, absolutely puts his boot through it. Again, Martinez gets a touch, but just not enough because of the pace. It finds the bottom corner, and we have absolute chaos in the 22nd World Cup Final. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just stunned into silence when, when I saw this goal. It was just a head-in-hands moment where you have absolutely no idea what to think. As someone who's, you know, rooting, you know, so much for Messi and Argentina, but also, you know, such a large part of me, you know, the soccer fan in me, just having to appreciate what Mbappe's just done with that volley, which was just absolutely sensational. The way he you know, contorts his body where he's almost, you know, parallel with the ground when he strikes this volley with so much venom. Yep. I couldn't believe that, you know, when the ball popped over, he wasn't taking a touch. When I saw him gearing up for this, I'm like, 
there's no way this is going in, right? And, I mean, it was a very scary time because at that moment you knew that, first of all, it happened again for Argentina. The second time, you know, in the knockouts where they had blown a two-goal lead, you know, late in the game. And that France had absolutely all the momentum. Mbappe had all the momentum. Mbappe, who had been, you know, not a part of the game for the first 75 minutes, really. Now you have an Mbappe, you know, completely invigorated. He's going to be running at your defense for the next 10 minutes, at least for, you know, till the end of regulation. And that was the case. Every time Mbappe got on the ball, you know, my heart stopped beating because you just felt like he was going to score again. He was Mm -hmm. in that sort of mood after the two goals. So, yeah, I mean, just absolutely gobsmacking for the entire world, really, both Argentina and France, but in a good way for France, not so much for Argentina. So the last 10 minutes play on, and neither team really knows what to do. Argentina have just blown the World Cup for Lionel Messi, and France, after being dead and buried for quite a while with no real signs of life, are all of a sudden, because of one man back into this game, and then the chances come in in, in the extra time that if any of this, these go in, in all likelihood, that's that. 94th minute rolls around, and it's the Rabio chance. Um, Coman gets chipped at the edge of the box. At the time, I just, like, thought it was a penalty, and I'm like, oh, wait, it's outside the box. Yeah, okay, right. It was definitely outside the box. Yeah. Um, which it, it, he went in, they continued into the box, but the first contact was yeah. outside the box, so it was it was never going to be even reviewed. Um, and then it falls to Mbappe, who cuts it out to his right. Uh oh no, that, I'm looking at the wrong one. Uh, Coman's tripped, plays on, falls to Rabio, who gets a shot, and then Romero has to go down to his knees and knee it back into Martinez's midriff to uh avoid Colomani tapping into him from that oh my god was that so scary <laughs> when just the fact that he had five yards of space to get yeah. the shot off and then the fact that it got through all those bodies standing right in front of Martinez and just again just the 0.5 seconds where you know Romero has his back to Colomani the ball is just slightly outside of uh-huh. you know Martinez's grasp you can tell that Romero is in an awkward position where he can't really kick it because he has no idea where it's going to go and very smartly just falls to his knees to kind of just block off Kulamwani and, you know, very lightly nudge it back into the hands of Emmy Martinez. And that was one of probably, you know, six or seven occasions where I just collapsed to the ground in <laughs> just relief where I just needed to take a moment and, you know, restart my heart. <laughs> France would not be the only team that would get a heart-stopping chance in the final minutes of this game. 90 plus 7 rolls around, and Messi driving a goal with the football. Never a good thing. Messi driving a goal with the football, cutting onto his left. Never a good thing. (laughs) And when he cuts it onto his left, I have the same glow in my eyes that I usually do when Messi comes onto his left. And usually that's followed by the net bulging. And when he cuts onto his left from 23, 25 yards, something like that, I'm like, is he going 
to seriously score a 25-yard golazo in the World Cup final to cement his legacy as the greatest player of all time? The answer was no. However, if it happened, I would have sobbed for probably 25 minutes. For a tenth of a second, we believed that it would happen. And that, <laughs> again, like, just, it's just unimaginable how many emotions, how many different emotions you go through in the span of less than a second yeah. in this final. When Messi unleashes that shot and you realize not only just the amount of venom on it, but that it's staying under the crossbar. Yeah. Again, for a tenth of a second, you think, oh my god, Messi is going to score, like you say, 25-yard yeah. golazo in the last minute of stoppage time in the most crazy World Cup final ever, which he didn't score, and it only got fucking crazier, yeah. <laughs> and win the World Cup for his country and cement his legacy. For a tenth of a second, you know, we believe that, and I think we both said that we, you know, hit our highest vertical <laughs> ever, you know. In the moment where he thought it was going to happen, where he both just jumped up. And yeah, it's unfortunate that he got denied. In the end, it was well within uh, the reach of Lloris, who, you know, was not able to catch it, obviously, because of the sheer power on it, but very convincingly, you know, tipped it well over the bar. But I mean, what for, again, for just a fraction of a second, what a time it was. <laughs> But we go on, the final whistle blows, we all take a breath, uh, at least some of us take a breath, um, wipe the sweat from our brows as we prepare for extra time in the World Cup, which is, you know, just, in the grand scheme of things, how, how, when you, how much football is being played in the world, minutes and minutes and minutes of football, but. 30 minutes to this of dead tired players battling for their cut like extra time in the Champions League is is st like crazy in the extra time in the Champions League finals crazy like just a lot of passion a lot of you know motivation and it's nothing compared to the World Cup like you can't even I don't even think players feel like tiredness going into this extra time because they're just so adrenaline rushed just the thought of going into extra time in the world cup final knowing that 30 minutes decides like a crowning moment for your entire life 30 minutes your life is 90 years and 30 minutes decides something so unimaginably crazy it just unbelievable you know psychological concept but anyway we go on first couple minutes argentina again it seemed like the the theme of the game was that argentina was kind of the the driving force they kind of had the <clears throat> had the aggressive take rather than uh france and that's what kind of happened the first couple minutes of extra time and eventually uh it led to the ball crossing the line just barely uh, Enzo Fernandez plays Latero Martinez in behind. By the way, I got enough shit to say about Latero Martinez. Hopefully, hopefully, I got my. I'm gonna get my chance. Uh, who rifles a shot in from? Who rifles a shot at the goalie from a tight angle? Uh, saved by Loris, right into the path of Messi, who pounces on the rebound, crosses the line. Uh, we had some. We had very different reactions to yeah. this goal. I, me and Ethan did not watch it in the same place. I was at college. Ethan was home. Uh, but. 
I was pretty confident that Lataro Martinez was onside. I, uh, it, it seemed like he was it because the 18 yard line was right there. So he had that parallel. I thought he was onside. I truly thought it was a goal. I think you had a different take on it. No, I 100% thought he was offside. Um, when the ball went over the line, I was waiting for the assistant raise, to raise his flag, which he did, by the way. After, like, five seconds, it was very weird. Like, as soon as the referee, like, you know, checked his watch, saw it went over the line, pointed to the, you know, center circle, the, re- the assistant raised his flag. I had no idea what was going on. But I was, again, I was pretty convinced it was offside, but at the same time, you know, you see the entire stadium just absolutely erupt, messy looking pretty confident. And here's the thing. It's a World Cup final. You've just been through the craziest of craziest of emotions, you know, while you're out on the field. If you really felt like it was offsides, you wouldn't put yourself through all this just to let yourself down. So a part of me was like, was this really onside? And when I saw the replay and saw Lavtero was clearly onside, I mean, it was just bedlam in my house. I ran around, (laughs) you know, my entire living room. I, I couldn't believe it. Again, I thought, you know, this was it. They're winning the World Cup. You know, no crazy-ass handballs are going to happen in the box, and there's no way Mbappe's going to score a hat-trick <laughs> in the World Cup final. Surely that won't happen. This is it. This was not it. It was not it. Na- narrator voice. <laughs> this was not it. 116th minute rolls around. Messi picks up a ball from the corner. Edge of the box. Shot is blocked. However, Mbappe. Mbappe. What did I say? Messi. Messi. Uh, It was blocked illegally. And these are usually the penalties that are not seen right away and usually get called by VAR. But I like to take this time to give credit to the referee. His name has a lot of consonants in it, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. He was Polish. Uh... Are you going to try to remember his name at this moment? No, I okay. didn't bother. Uh, he was pretty spot on. And again, it's nearly impossible for referees to be perfect. He saw the Kolomowani dive. I believe it was Kolomowani. Turam. Turam, it was Turam. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a penalty at first. It, he saw it in real time. I thought it was a penalty. I'm pretty sure everyone in the world who was watching thought it was a penalty. Uh, when you watch back the replay from a different angle, it was clearly a dive. And he saw it in real time. I think... As, and referees have gotten plenty of stick in this yeah. World Cup. Uh, I thought he was very, very good. Um, and he saw this handball right away. Outstretched arm. You just can't defend. Like, if you, when you know you're blocking a shot, just put your hands behind your back. Like, it, it's not that difficult. <laughs> I've said it again. Like, it's just, like, if you're running to, like, keep up with somebody and then they, like, play across, the ball across and they hit your arm, fine. But when you're jumping out to block a shot and you don't put your hands behind your back, you're just asking for trouble. And that's what happened. The ball hits his arm. It's outstretched. It's a penalty. It's a penalty almost 100% of the time. And who steps up to take it? Hatrick hero, Kylian Mbappe. What do you know? Mbappe buries it, and he has a hatrick in the World Cup final. And he is, like, level on goals with Messi or whatever. Uh, ahead on goals. Ahead on goals, of, and he's 24, now 25 years old. Or 23, now 24. Yeah. Uh, and it's 3-3 that I mentioned in the World Cup final it, after 118 minutes. Um, 
And it, it, when when the handball happened, I, I, I too thought that the messy goal was just poetic. It had to end it. Yeah. Uh, and then when the handball happened, I'm like, oh, like, I forgot that this game has to be absolutely just ridiculous. And this much better goes on with the script of what has gone on in the last 20 minutes than just, you know, 15 minutes going by and nothing happening. Uh, so, yes, of course. Mbappe gets his penalty and buries it and is 3-3 in the World Cup final after 118 minutes. And then, of course, you can't have chances in the 120th minute because that would leave too much time until the end of the game, yeah? So in come the chances in extra time of extra time. 123rd minute. Canate launches a hopeful ball in behind the Argentina defense. Which Colomwani gets on the end of and is 1v1 with Emiliano Martinez, the man who got his chance because of Neil Mope back in 2020. And it, in this moment, it was almost a moment of like namaste, should I say, where I'm like, wow, this is, this is it. And it, like it happened, that chance falling out of the sky from. 20 foot point of it down to the zero point where Kulamuani took it. It must have taken 10, 15 minutes, yeah? That's what it felt like. Because as it was dropping, I'm like, all right, what a game, right? What a game. I was, I was more sympathetic. You know, I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to suck when he puts this in. Because I was more like, what a moment for football. 4-3 in the World Cup final. This guy, Kolomouani, is going to go on to have a fantastic career. He's, even if he doesn't, he, it's like the Mario Gutsa moment where it's just like immortalized forever. Like, what a moment for football. And then Emmy Martinez sticks his big meaty foot out and makes a, one of the greatest save, not, not from a save perspective, but from a circumstance perspective yeah. in the history of our sport. 123rd minute. In the World Cup final, 3-3, not just the World Cup final, but one of the most iconic because of its eventual result. Just a crazy, crazy moment in a crazy, crazy game. Yeah. Um, again, what, as, soon, as soon as you see that ball go over the top and you see all the Mendy miss it and that Kulmoy is in behind, like you said, it happened in, all in... A second and a half but it felt like an hour because i had already you know made peace with my gods already <laughs> just accepted that you know again like you said that this is how it's gonna end not accepted in like you know uh you know namaste like kumbaya way like not in a very zen way in a very just like pure shock like oh my god after all this this is this is how it ends it's not even gonna be mbappe it's gonna be Moani. i had no idea who he was before this tournament <laughs> You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. I don't think many people really know. Um, but yeah, I accepted it. But by the time he got a shot off, I accepted it. And when he got a shot off, which was a phenomenal shot, nothing else better he could have done, you know, from that position. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, well, this is it. Pack, pack your bags. <laughs> you know, pack it up. It's over. And Emmy Martinez pulls that shit out. And I just couldn't believe it. And 
I just felt so foolish that I thought that that was going to be the last exciting thing that happened. And <laughs> there was only like five seconds left in the game, and I was foolish enough to think that that was going to be it. So there was something else. There Let's was continue. one more chance immediately after the ball comes off of Emmy's foot. The ball's picked up. Counterattack happens. Montiel is played down the right wing, who clips in just a luscious ball into the head of Latar Number nine's absolute dream. So, this man, Latar Martinez, 150K a week back in Milan, eating just the finest Italian food. Pasta fagiol, just mwah. Every night, if he wakes up with a cramp, like, not even, like, just, like, stubs his toe on the end of the bed getting the training. He has a team of doctors there waiting to, like, service his every need. This ball lays up so nicely for... There are players on my club soccer team that throw up six minutes before the game because they're hungover that put this in ten times out of ten. This ball, he's aiming for the back post, and it goes so far wide on the right that you almost think that he's throwing. This, this is a professional. A professional. This is, it, like, there are other professions. Imagine a surgeon, like, instead of doing the heart surgery, starts operating on the liver. That's how bad this was. This, like, unbelievable. This wasn't, a, he, like, he's not a tall guy. This wasn't like a fucking Peter yeah. Crouch cross. He didn't need to reach back. He didn't need to contort his neck like Giroud does. This is, this is a free header and he absolutely smokes it and it's not just a professional player that's all Terrell martinez <laughs> he's a really good striker going into this people who thought that you know who are really confident in argentina that they would win the world cup people thought that latero martinez would be the scorer for this team would be you know a possible golden boot contender and he was a lukaku boot contender <laughs> As I think it's now known. Again, I don't know what they're training. I don't know what they're telling the strikers at Inter Milan. But it's, it's all the wrong things. They need to completely just tear up every page in the, you know, every training drill for strikers in Milan's, you know, book. They just need to absolutely burn into ashes and bury the ashes this somewhere in Qatar. And it wasn't like Latoro Martinez was having a good World Cup to this point. Latar no, there's a reason he lost his place to <laughs> Julian Alvarez. Messi, I don't know, I think it was the the uh, Australia game? Yeah, the Australia where, game. Where Messi sets up Latoro Martinez for a goal that is more difficult to miss, Ethan. This ball is set up so perfectly on his weak foot? No, his strong foot. In front of him, on his just, just like, please give me this. If I'm a human soccer player on this planet, anywhere up and down the footballing pyramid, I bury this with my eyes closed. Yeah? This ball goes so far into the crowd that they didn't even bother retrieving it. The stewards were like, keep it. That's how far he missed this by. I don't even know how you are, like, on the fucking parade. Like, bus parade yeah. after that. Like, everyone else is there. You should not be. Yeah. By the way, we haven't even mentioned the two other grade-A goal-scoring opportunities that he missed in extra time, but we don't have we don't the have time to go into it. <laughs> but 
rest assured, they did happen, and he did miss them. Thank God he scored that winning penalty against the Netherlands, because if not, I don't, I genuinely don't know if he would have gotten a, a medal for this. <laughs> Long story short, he misses. And we go on to the most cruel way to decide a football match ever. Penalty kicks. What? What I'm trying to, I watched this in a group of three. It was me and my two roommates. What I tried to explain to my roommates of varying soccer experience, uh, football watching experiences. I tried to explain that penalties are just the most brutal way to end a football match. I'm talking the most brutal way to end a football match when it's the first round of the FA Cup yeah. between who gives a shit, like, rovers and whatever now you're playing you're kicking penalties in the world cup final and you're deciding just crowning moments for millions of people on whether the keeper guesses the right way or whether you take the right like it's just unbelievably brutal yeah and there's it, I, there's a obviously there's a knack for penalty taking. Some people are good. Some people are bad. You still need to put the ball in the net. It's still a soccer action. But there's, you could take a million penalties in your life. You could wake up every morning, go to trading an hour early, and just take 100 penalties and nev still never be prepared to take a penalty in a penalty shootout in the World Cup uh -huh. final. Just unbelievably brutal, and I'd like to say that before we get into it. So Mbappe steps up to take the first one. His third penalty of the game. Already, you know that there's mind games going into yeah. it. As if, as if there wasn't enough yeah. pressure, you know, taking a penalty in the final of the World Cup. Now you have to take a penalty against a keeper who's already seen you take two in the last, like, half hour. <laughs> but he steps up, and he buries it. Good for Mbappe. As, against a very good penalty-saving keeper, good for Mbappe. And then up comes Messi. And I know early in this podcast I said, God, this is the one. You can't miss this one, Messi. There was a new, now a new penalty that you just simply cannot miss. That <laughs> was somehow more important than his first penalty. Uh, and he steps up. And he sends the keeper the wrong way. <laughs> just barely. barely. <laughs> but he sends it the wrong way and the ball goes in the net. And hey, if the ball goes in the net, it's a fantastic penalty always. And then up steps Kingsley Coleman. And I swear to God, I said this. I look right at my roommate, Danny Volpe, and I go, Coleman's missing the shit. Sure as I'm sitting here, Coleman's missing the shit. When you just think about who the scapegoat could be, I just feel like Kingsley Coleman being like this, uh, you know, general, I don't know, not side character, but like, side character in like the france teams and in the Bayern munich teams like he's never the main attraction he's kind of the side character he steps up to take the second penalty in the world cup final he's not really a, a known penalty taker it just feels like a penalty he's gonna miss steps up what happens emmy guesses the right way makes a good save argentina have the advantage then up steps paulo dybala a player who was subbed on in the, I'm not sure what minute he was subbed on it, but he was a, a substitute. And uh, very late on. Yeah, very late on. I believe it wasn't extra time, was it? It was in extra it was, time. It, yeah, it was in extra time. So you might even say that he stepped up. He was 
substituted on to take a penalty. The only other time in this tournament he was subbed on was when Argentina were 3 nothing up against Croatia. So this guy yeah. was... He's a garbage time yeah. play. They didn't want this guy on the field unless the game was over, essentially. And so, basically, yeah, he must have really just been on there. To take he, a it's likely he was subbed on to take a penalty. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of research done on players who are substituted in to take penalties, and it's not... The statistics don't pan out very well for these players. Just, you know, sitting stagnant for over 90 minutes to come on and then take a penalty. You're not really in the flow of the game. It usually does not end up well, even if you are a good penalty taker. But that being said, the ball steps up and buries his penalty. Argentina have the official advantage after two rounds. Then Tucumani steps up at the ripe age of 20 or 21, whatever the fuck he is. Uh, I don't know if I can throw up a guy that young in the third round of a penalty shootout. I mean, I don't even know who else you put up, but like... I'd almost put up... By that point in the game, everybody was young. I, I mean, I'd almost put up Varane before I put took a many. Like, it just from a... Like, how do you even handle this pressure as a 19-year-old? I'm 21, and I was pissing myself sitting on the couch. Like, needless to say, Tukumani steps up. Whether it was the pressure, whether he just missed it because he's not a good penalty taker. Who, who knows? But he drags it wide. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel for Argentina at this point. Upsteps, Paredes. A lot of the pressure's off. Now you're up two misses to none. You score this and you're up two goals in the penalty shoot of the World Cup final. Steps up. Nice penalty. 3-1. Upsteps, Kolomuani. If Kolomuani misses, shootout's over. After that miss at the end of the... Uh, Extra time. He's probably feeling a little bit of guilt, I would say, after missing that. Uh, especially facing the keeper that stopped him. Uh, but steps up, drills it. And then up steps Montiel. Country on his back. Finishes. And Argentina wins the World Cup for the first time in 30 plus years. What does he do? Steps up, puts the keeper the wrong way, and Argentina are champions. Just wow. I mean... The penalty shootout, in terms of penalty shootouts, was, I mean, nothing special, nothing that crazy happened. It was somewhat, you know, unusual. Emmy Martinez did his, you know, usual tomfoolery, uh, you know, put off his opponents, made a great save against Coman, definitely, you know, intimidated Chuameni, who must have thought that he needed a very precise penalty to have beaten Martinez. Um... But yeah, I mean, what a just nerve-wracking way to end a yeah. final that didn't deserve to be settled in that fashion. But again, there's only one way to yep. sell these games. But Argentina are world champions. <laughs> it's very Honestly, the more I see the pictures, the more I feel like it's career mode and they're just like edited pictures. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I've seen Messi lift the World Cup before. It's been on my fucking Xbox. Uh, But to actually see Messi lift the World Cup after, like, decades of edits of him holding the World Cup, it just feels genuinely, and I think this term is overused, surreal when you see Messi lifting the World Cup because it just seemed like it wasn't allowed to happen. 
Like it, the the debate just had to go on, but to see him lift the World Cup and in a lot of people's minds end the debate of the greatest player of all time. It's just genuinely, and I cannot mean this enough, surreal. No, it it didn't feel real when you were looking at the images because, again, your brain's just saying like, okay, that's Messi with the World Cup. But when you really think about it, it's messy with the fucking World Cup. It's messy with the trophy that has haunted him for almost his entire career, especially the last eight years. When you think about what he's had to go through, you know, trying to win over his own people. You know, he scored so many goals for Barcelona, won so many trophies, and he's done a lot for Argentina, too. But he was never able to, you know, be on the same level as Diego Maradona in, you know, the eyes of his own country. He was always, you know, the middle child, never being able, yeah. you know, to be enough for them. And to finally have it in his hands, you know, have that burden taken off of his shoulders and just see the pure emotion, the pure, you know, joy on his face, the pure joy of, you know, the millions and millions of you know, Argentines, who are without a doubt the most passionate fans on the planet, yeah. you know, as shown throughout this World Cup. It, it is, like you say, just truly surreal, and I don't understand how anybody other than, you know, a French fan doesn't see that and just smile. Even Portuguese fans, yeah. even Ronaldo fans. How can you just not just love seeing that? How can you not think that he doesn't deserve that, that Argentina yeah. deserves it? I mean, it is, it is just a fairy tale ending for Messi. Yeah, it's just. Uh, again, I cannot get enough. Like my entire, I'm not even gonna say Instagram. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, just flooded with Argent. Not just Messi, but like the fan reactions, airport reactions, bar reactions, like uh, Bangladesh reactions. Yeah. Like it's just unbelievable and I, we talked about it earlier how it like with the instagram post it just transcends the sport yeah and that, i feel like that again that term is overused when it transcends sport maybe it doesn't truly trans but it really transcended like four billion yeah. people watch this it transcended and i don't think it would have transcended the way it did if france ended up winning that penalty yeah. shootout it, it's just truly unbelievable and we will talk about it more um, when we do our World Cup Roundup podcast. But uh, for now, just enjoying. Uh, and it has not even gotten a smidgen stale yet, by the oh, way. Oh, no. I've, I've seen <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of posts in my social media feed about Messi and about Argentina and the World Cup. And it's pretty much every single one. And you'd think by now I'd be sick of it. <laughs> It, it almost gets better. It, 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 just, it just doesn't get old. I don't know when it will. I'm sure at some point over the next four years, I'll, I'll stop enjoying seeing these. But for right now, I just still love it. Every time I see a new one, I just, there's just a smile on my face. I get pissed when I see something that's not an Argentina. <laughs> Argentina World Cup related post. I just keep scrolling until I find another one, yeah. which usually doesn't take too long. But with that, we will save the rest of our messy comments for the world cup roundup podcast what a way to go out of this world cup a world cup that we 
just didn't really know what to expect from middle of the winter country that's had that got the world cup because of bribery a country with bad human rights issues and it delivered not only the best world cup final we've ever seen but one of the best tournaments uh certainly in the four that i've watched the best tournament i've seen and again we'll talk about that a lot more when we round it up but for now we will say goodbye adios see ya